Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton, here today with Rob Kemmins. Rob is a former Houston police officer and remains an active reserve police captain. Rob has owned and operated Kemmins Investigative Services, Inc., KISS, for over 30 years. KISS is a corporate investigative and security consultant firm licensed by the Texas Department of Public Safety. KISS has been a gold member of the Better Business Bureau for over 25 years and has offices in Houston, LaPorte, and Fort Worth, Texas. One of Kimmins' primary services offered is TSCM, Technical Surveillance Countermeasures, commonly known as debugging. Kimmins operates 75 to 100 of these TSCM sweeps annually and has done so for over 25 years. Kimmins is one of the few security companies in the country that maintains the proper training and equipment to perform this service at a high level for corporations and government entities. Rob, welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate you having me. Wow. Technical Surveillance Countermeasures, or TSCM. Tell me what that is, Rob. Well, it's more commonly known as a uh, bug sweep or uh, debug, and it basically is a uh, physical and electronic examination to detect uh, eavesdropping devices. And it's a little more in-depth than what it sounds because now we're having to protect against Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, cellular, and other ways to forward sensitive information to an eavesdropper. How did you get into this business? Well, it was probably 25 years ago, and I had we do a lot of work for the oil field uh, down here in Houston, and I had a uh, oil field client that asked me to get into it, and so we did. We went to uh, instruction in in two different schools in in the U.S. and and got into to it that way, and it ended up being something that now is one of our primary uh, services that we provide over the last 25 years. Now, Rob, I've seen you guys work, and. I think a lot of people are fascinated by this kind of topic, meaning how do you go about looking for listening devices or bugs? So what kinds of things are you looking for and, and how do you go about doing that? Well, without uh, getting uh, too technical, it really requires a lot of equipment to identify all the threats that are out there now. So we are constantly getting additional training, buying additional equipment. But basically, we're doing a physical search, but more than that, a sweep with electronic equipment. And for us, we've got eight to ten different pieces of equipment, depending on the scope of the, the job. And it's, uh, you know, it's pretty technical. The, the threats can vary. Anywhere from something very primitive, like a, uh, let's say, a voice-activated recorder that's been hidden in an office or a, uh, a wall outlet that's been replaced with a uh, outlet that looks the same, but it's actually a transmitter. It can be a bug in a lamp or a clock radio. So there are a lot of different threats out there. There also are more sophisticated threats. For instance, a, a phone system can be altered to where every phone instrument in the office is actually a transmitting out of that office. So 
uh, it's pretty involved and it requires a lot of different pieces of equipment that cross check each other to try to get to the 95 to 98% rate that we want to be at for, for finding anything that might be out there. Rob, we have a lot of security officers uh, that listen to our podcast. So walk me through like how you would approach just the general sweep of an executive's office or an executive's home? Well, the first thing we're going to do is talk to the client and, and determine what their concerns are. Do they Is there a specific threat or is it just they want a sweep to be part of their ongoing security program? And once we have that figured out, uh, then we would do a physical search of the uh, property or the offices or whatever it might be, the residence, and then we would begin using our equipment. And our primary piece of equipment is a spectrum analyzer, which is searching for anything transmitting out of that area. And then we identify it and, and make sure it's something that uh, should be transmitting out of the area or identified as a threat. And then it goes from there. I mean, looking for any Bluetooth signals, anything going through the airways at all. And then you know, you even have equipment that can find bugs or transmitters that are not activated. In other words, they're not turned on. And so uh, there's a piece of equipment called the uh, Orion, which will detect any electronic semiconductor in walls, floors, ceilings, fixtures, et cetera. So it's pretty involved and it's a process to where, uh, you know, we walk through the stages and try to uh, identify anything that's there that shouldn't be there. What would you recommend for let's say an executive protection team as to the frequency of a technical surveillance countermeasure suite? Well, of course, uh, it depends obviously on, on the level of threat. I mean, if you have a uh, technical company that has a lot of meetings that are they're trying to protect their trade secrets, that kind of thing, maybe they would do quarterly sweeps. Uh, we can also give them some advice on, on how to protect themselves along the way. And often we're also monitoring sensitive meetings. We're called in to sweep a boardroom and, and monitor during the board meeting and that kind of thing. So every case is a little different. And, of course, budget can be a concern as well. So we try to work with a client and see exactly what their needs are, what the threat level might be, and then suggest something that makes sense for them. And you can also sweep cars, correct? That's true. And it's, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I'm always honest with clients. And we we uh, conduct a lot of countermeasure sweeps in a year's time, probably 75 to 100. And we'll find something, uh, uh, a device, maybe 5% of the time. So a lot of it is just a peace of mind and making sure there's nothing there. But when it comes to car trackers, they're so inexpensive on the internet. They're so good now and they're so small that we're finding car trackers 10 to 15% of the time that we check a car because obviously when somebody brings it in, they already may have a reason to suspect. And so we find more car trackers than anything else. I would imagine you also sweep uh, private aircraft too? Yes, we do. That's uh, something that uh, we do for a lot of uh, big corporations, Fortune 500 companies, oil companies. And that is usually done either quarterly or twice a year as part of their just regular security program they have in place. Give me some examples of the kind of devices uh, that you found over the course of doing this for so many years, Rob. Well, it's pretty diversified. We found a uh, device in a, uh, a brewery in, in the Houston area that was we know was put in by the union because there was a big dispute. 
but they didn't want to pursue it. They just wanted to get it out of there and stop the problem. So that's often the case. Uh, whether they want to involve law enforcement or go further is usually up to the client. But what we find more than anything, small businesses where there's a partner dispute. I had one that I guess about a year ago that was a little bit humorous because I had a husband and wife that had two different types of businesses. They office next door to each other. She hired us because she thought he might be eavesdropping on her business phones. And we found something in the phone room, took it to her. But I said, it's actually on his line. And she said, well, I didn't think you'd find it. So <laughs> like, well, you shouldn't have called us out here. So that put us in a bad position. But So that's pretty common to, to find them. Uh, we also find the covert cameras. Uh, and, and sometimes it's very disturbing. You know, you see a lot of uh, different reasons for people to do this kind of thing. But in almost every case, it's a felony and it's a serious offense. So if they uh, will allow us, we usually... Uh, take it to law enforcement at that point. And I think you've touched on a interesting topic, Rob, the, the use of covert cameras. Where else have you seen those placed in an executive's residence or in an office building? Well, they've really, uh, that's pretty limitless. We've seen it a lot in executives where sometimes it's for legitimate reasons. And if they don't, uh, for instance, in Texas, if you don't have audio turned on, you can put uh, video in the residence, and, and it's sometimes is done for security reasons and all, but you still have to stay away from areas where you expect the expectation of privacy, such as restrooms, bedrooms, that kind of thing. But when you get into divorce situations, then we do find them in places they shouldn't be. In companies, and you know, I have clients that will ask me, can we do this? We have an employee we don't trust, and uh, so it depends on the situation, but they may be able to put covert video in a work area, uh, but never audio. And, you know, it just depends. I, I usually refer them to their counsel and say, make sure what I'm telling you is correct and, and acceptable to the company. But we do actually find quite a few covert cameras, and sometimes there's good reason for it. Other times they're in that gray area that you don't want to be in. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about OnTech's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That is why we created the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. We are regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights, lessons learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontech.ai/center. That's ontech.ai/center. Do you think, Rob, with uh, all of our displaced workforce today and companies starting to creep back into offices, granted with limited staff at times? that this is something that those that listen that are, that are providing corporate security at headquarters buildings should really think about doing before they bring their executives back? I would suggest it, especially in executive suite areas, especially if there's you know any disputes within the company, if, they, if they've had to lay off people, fire people uh, that they can't bring back, I would suggest it. We even suggest it for new space. If I'll give you one quick example. We had a, a uh, oil field related company in Houston that uh, moved into some space, and I went and 
they asked us for a countermeasure. So I was talking to uh, the head of security. I said, can you tell me, are there any concerns? Well, yeah, we have a foreign government that we're very concerned. It's a country you would be concerned about. And they are on the floor below us. And they had just moved into this space. So I said, well, you know, we can do a sweep and we'll be happy to do it. But if they're right below you, you're never going to be secure if if they have ill intentions in mind. I said, I, I just wish, you know, we'd have looked at this before you moved in here. So that comes up as well. You can only do so much and you run a sweep. And then when you leave, there's no no guarantees that something won't happen after that, especially when you have a foreign government right below you. So I suggest to companies that new space or moving back into a space they've been out of for quite some time, they want to, should probably do a sweep. And then uh, there's a lot of companies we, we go in quarterly as part of their security program and make sure everything's okay. Do you see a lot of this uh, being driven to by corporate legal counsels uh, just to make sure that everything is secure? Yes, I'd say about half the time we're we're actually dealing with legal counsel. The other half the time, usually we're dealing with security. But yes, that that comes up. We also do quite a few sweeps for government entities, cities, counties, state, even some federal. So it's uh, our client base is pretty diversified when it comes to countermeasures. Rob, I know there's been some horrific examples of uh, clandestine video devices, you know, targeting famous people and so forth that show up on various websites and the internet. What is the vulnerability in general for high net worth or celebrities or corporate executives in this space when they're traveling, for example, in hotel rooms? If whoever it is, whether, you know, it's the media or whoever, if they if they don't have scruples, if they're not worried about the law, then, you know, it's it's very easy to uh, uh, acquire the equipment. It's actually now very inexpensive, and uh, a lot of the devices are very good. So uh, it is a concern. And so there are things you can do to try to uh, minimize your risk as far as, you know, what, what hotel you're in, what room you're in, and not broadcast that idea. But we've actually found cleaning crews that have installed devices. Uh, we've seen devices that have been put through outlets from one hotel room to another, and it's not difficult. Uh, and, and it's also sometimes difficult to identify the perpetrator and get charges filed. So it's not as risky as you might think for somebody to do that kind of thing. And when you're talking about, say, the paparazzi, I think it's fairly common for them to, uh, as you see from the pictures they're able to get, to do things that are that are not legal. You know, they used to teach us when I was an agent, Rob, and we were traveling around the world that you should expect some degree of surveillance, especially in some hotel rooms and different locations. And what would be your guidance for that executive or that person that's listening to this podcast for a visual inspection of their house, maybe their car, or perhaps uh, a hotel room if they're traveling? It certainly wouldn't hurt to conduct a visual inspection. It's just it may be difficult to to find the device or the camera or whatever. I know Airbnb has had some bad press lately for that very thing. And but you can look uh, for cameras. You can look for uh, listening devices and and do your own sweep. And you may find 50 percent of what might be there. It depends on how primitive it is or whether the person has knowledge. But it certainly wouldn't hurt. The other thing is just take for granted that, you know, it might be happening. And it's just a, it's a difficult thing to, you know, you're going on vacation. It's probably the last thing you would think of to check your hotel room. And even if you do, you may not find it. So 
you know, it's a, it's a problem. It's, it's a concern. And what would be some of the red flags to look for, for example, in that uh, house you've rented or that vacation cottage or, or cabin? Well, I tell you, the most common things that we find in a residential setting or a hotel setting would be things like a uh, clock radio that has a hidden camera. And you can see it if you're really diligent. It, it'll be a almost a pinhole, uh, the camera lens. But if you're concerned about that kind of thing, just unplug it, turn it off, turn it around. Uh, smoke detectors are a very common area where devices are, are installed and you can buy them on the internet for 50 bucks. And so that's another thing. When you get into wall sockets and that kind of thing, it's more difficult because you may have to remove them to actually see if there's a problem. So, But you can go in and you know look under the bed, look in the lampshades, turn off any clock radio especially. A lot of people use the clock radio cameras as nanny cams. So they, they sell thousands of them every year. And so we find those, if I had to pick one device that's in a residential setting that uh, has a covert camera, and often they also have covert audio, it would be a, a clock radio. So those are the, the simple things you can do, but you may never really be able to have peace of mind without a suite. Uh, and obviously, I'm not suggesting every time you travel, you have a company like ours come in and sweep your hotel room, but you're not going to be totally secure trying to do it yourself, but you you know, you may get lucky and find advice. Is there any tips for checking your vehicle for listening or tracking devices? That's probably the easiest one because 90% of the time when we find a vehicle tracker that's been put in covertly, it's in one of the bumpers. And they're making it so now if your bumper is plastic, they'll use Velcro to uh, secure the device and it'll have a battery and the battery can last 30 to 60 days. If it's a metal bumper, then it'll be often put on with a magnet. But there's other places, if they don't have access, if the person doing this doesn't have access to the interior of your vehicle, almost every time they're going to put it up in the bumper. Because if you put it under the car, it's not going to stay on. And so that's a pretty good uh, rule of thumb. Check inside your bumpers, get a crawler, get under there, look in there, get a flashlight, fill up in there. If there's a tracker on a vehicle that and they didn't have access to the interior of the car, it's almost always going to be in, in one of the bumpers. Yeah, that's some very prudent advice. Uh, Rob, is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like to say? No, I, I think we covered it. I, uh, again, I think uh, the two most common areas where we have a problem would be domestic situations and car trackers. But uh, when you get into co corporations, it's usually uh, often a professional job or much more sophisticated, and the average uh, person is not going to find it. That's when you really have to have a company like ours. But uh, I think that, that sums it up. Well, Rob, thank you so much for being on the OnTick Protective Intelligence Podcast. Well, thank you, Fred, for including me, and um, I really, really appreciate it. And if I can do anything further, just let me know. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by the OnTick Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontick.ai slash center. Again, that's ontick.ai slash center. It was produced by A.J. McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.ai slash center for more information. And thanks for listening.